Well, we are going to jump into this tonight. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to pick it up at verse 11. Uh, we'll actually kind of backtrack a little bit. I want to talk about verse 10 when, when we start opening this up. But start with verse 11. It says, To put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Therefore, and I love this particular word. If you don't know what the word therefore means, it actually it, it means because of this. So I, I love pointing that out because there's a lot of therefores in the Bible and, and they mean because of this. So everything we just read, because of this, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared and movable and victorious, Amen. so stand firm and hold your ground. Having tightened the wide belt of truth, personal integrity, moral courage around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and upright heart. I really like that, having done everything you can to stand. I like that too. Stand. And, and some versions say, having done all you can to stand, stand therefore. Mm -hmm. So again, it's stand because of this, <laughs> because of all these things. And, and verse 15, and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace and preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times on every occasion and in every season in the Spirit. And with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all God's people. And pray for me. This is, again, Paul speaking all this. And pray for me that words may be given to me when I open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news of salvation, for which I am the ambassador in chains. And pray that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly and courageously as I should. Now, so that you may know how I am and what I'm doing, and I don't know how to pronounce some of these names, Tychius, Tychius, I don't know, I don't know whatever his name is. Uh, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know now we are and that it may comfort and encourage and strengthen your hearts. Verse 22 says, Peace, to be, peace be to the brothers and sisters and love joined with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying and incorruptible love. Amen. What a powerful passage of Scripture. Amen. I love how Paul writes anyway. I mean, yeah. Paul's always, he gives exhortation. He, he's, he's always speaking into the lives of someone else. True apostleship is just that. It's, it's, it's the, the stepping out and beginning ministries and not only just starting something, but going back and feeding it, going back and caring for it, going back and directing path and correcting if necessary. We see Paul do a lot of correcting. The church of Corinth, he, he, them, them people must have been wild. I, I mean, you just, 
that must have been one loose cannon of a church right there because he was always going back to the church of Corinth and bringing correction and trying to calm them down and bring them back into where he, you know. But um, so I love how he says things. I love how he, you know, how his greetings always start and how he always ends. Um, and there's a, boy, there's a lot to unpack in this passage of scripture here. Um, we'll go back, kind of backtrack a little bit to Ephesians 6.10, which is the call to stand against the devil. Um, he says, finally, my brethren. So he's given us all this previous. You know, this is, this is his final letter here. So he's given us all this previous. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So that was verse 10. Mm-hmm. I, I, love, I love this depiction of this because this finally, this comes to the end of the letter, a letter that Paul has carefully established. Um, and he's, he's established our place in Jesus and then the basics of the Christian walk. And, and this is the last section dealing with that walk. So all throughout all of this, he's, you know, he's been giving instruction. And he's been telling us how we should be and you know, comparing our, our Christian walk with the marriage. You know, I mean, again, we talked about that when we did the marriage stuff in five. He wasn't really talking about married couples. He was trying to get us to understand a relationship that we should have with Jesus Christ. And that's the only thing he knew to use to compare that, that, that relational factor. And, and I, here's some highlights. In light of all that God has done for you, he's, he's done, he said all these things in light of all that God has done for you, in light of the glorious standing that you have as a child of God, in light of his great plan of the ages that God has made you a part of, in light of the plan of Christian maturity and growth he gives to you, in light of the conduct God calls every believer to live, in light of the filling of the Spirit and our walk with the Spirit, in light of all of this, there is a battle to fight in the Christian life. So all of these things he's already spoken to us, now he's saying, all right, now, step up, strap up, because we're fixing to go to war. You know, I've given you all these glorious things, now we're fixing to fight for it. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Literally, Paul wrote, strengthen yourselves in the Lord. Yeah. That was actually the meaning of that. Strengthen yourselves in the Lord. He, he, he probably took the idea, even as far back as 1 Samuel 36, where, where it is said that David strengthened himself in the Lord. So there's probably some reference coming from that. Um, the detailed teaching and spiritual warfare in this passage presents two essential components. First, you must be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Then you must put on the whole armor of God. The two are essential, and much teaching on Christian combat neglects the first. We spend a lot of time talking about putting on the armor, but we don't really talk anything about the very first precept of being strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Yeah. We put the emphasis on the wrong part sometimes. We often do that today. I mean, it just seems to be a norm. Um, if you take a weak man who can barely stand... And you, and you put the best armor on him, he will still be ineffective. Think, think of David. Remember when David comes to the valley? You know, David comes to the valley, and there's Goliath out there taunting the, the army of God. You know, and so, okay, you think you can go fight this guy? Let's put your armor on. So he puts on Saul's armor. And I have to, I have to wonder what that really looked like. I, I can get some, I mean, I, I see sometimes in cartoons, so... I, I can kind of reflect how, I mean, he looked like a little kid with all this stuff on him, you know, and nowhere to go with it, no way he could stand or fight or move. Well, you, you think about that, if, if we don't, if, if we're not prepared to put our armor on, if our mentality is not of such that, 
that if, if we're not standing firm on the, on the precepts of God, we're really going to be pretty ineffective. Yeah. It doesn't matter how, because if we don't know how to use the armor, because mm -hmm. once we see what this armor really stands for, I mean, again, our, our human nature, our human mind, when we think of armor, I mean, when I think of armor, I'm always thinking of like the, you know, the, the jousting guys with the hood and the helmet and all that stuff, you know. And, and I, I wouldn't want to care. I wouldn't want to wear none of that stuff. <laughs> I don't think I could handle that. But um, so equipping for Christian combat must begin with be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That, that's the very first thing we've got to put on. We've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And in the power of his might, this, this shows how to get his strength. This does not happen just by saying the words. It's not an incantation or a spell. You can't just walk around saying, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might over and over and it'll happen. There's something that has to come into play here in order to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Christianity isn't one of those self-help formulas where you can go around saying every day and in every way, I'm getting better and better. Those kind of mental games can accomplish something, but it certainly wasn't what Paul was meaning here. He's not talking about just some mental game we're playing. The, the word might is an inherent power or force. A, a muscular man's big muscles display his might. I mean, right? I mean, you see some big old buff dude. My son used to be all puffed up, looked like you aired him up. He's lifting all the time and had, you know, just monster arms and just, you know, doing that power lifting. And, and he had the appearance of being a very strong person. Even if he doesn't use those muscles, he still appears like he's strong. It is the reverse of strength, though. It's the reverse of strength. The appearance of strength doesn't necessarily have any bearing on strength. And then when you get to power, it is the exercise of might. So when we, when we talk about the power, we're exercising the might that God gave us. So we may have all the muscles. This is kind of like a kind of like a. a Wow, what was that phrase that went around there for a while? Um, being so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Remember that? Remember that phrase? It's kind. It's kind of. It's kind of what he's talking about here. You can go around being so earth or heavenly or being so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. So in other words, you've got all the knowledge, but you don't know how to put it into practice. It's it's not really any good. It's not going to. So power is the exercise of might. So when the muscular man uses his might to bend an iron bar, he uses his power. He's done the preparation. He's done all the lifting. He's done everything to get strong. But when he puts it into effect, it's power. It means that the reserve of strength is actually in operation. God has vast reservoirs of might that, that, that can be realized as power in our Christian life. But his might does not work in me as I sit passively by. I mean, you think about it. His, 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 his might and his power aren't going to work in me if all I'm doing is sitting by passively, not doing anything with it. Again, it's the guy that just is all puffed up and never does anything with his power, with his, with his muscles. Um, his might works in me as I rely on it and step out in it to do the work. I can rely on it and do no work. I can do work without relying on it, but both of these fall short. So no matter how we go about this, I must rely on his might and then do his work. Amen. It comes That's together. 
So we get to verse 11, the command for the whole armor of God. And we start getting into the armor. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So putting on the whole armor of God. The armor of God will be uh, explained as we get through this a little bit. But the whole armor of God. God gives the believer a full set of equipment. And, and he sends us out into battle with everything we need at our disposal. So God's not going to send you into battle without what you need. That's up to us. We, we've, we're the ones that's got to go through the basic training. I mean, we're not going to take a bunch of guys and send them overseas to fight a war without putting them first through the training of how to handle the equipment they're being sent with. Yeah. It's the same with us as, as followers of Christ. We're called into battle, but we've got to learn to be equipped. We've got to allow that teaching to come. We've got to allow those things to happen so that we understand how to use the weapons that we've been given. Because I think what we're going to see here is my mindset when I think of even spiritual warfare, I have always thought incorrectly. I've thought about fighting, physical, sword slinging, heads rolling, buddy, we're in it, you know. And that's just simply not, not it. <laughs> but, but again, our, 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 our human mindset has a tendency to lead us in the wrong direction if we're not careful. Um. God gives the believer a full set of equipment. He sends us into battle with everything we need at our disposal that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We, we express the strength we have in God by standing against the wiles of the devil. Satan's schemes against us come to nothing when, he, when we stand against them in the power of God. Again, there's a, there's a lot of um, misquoted scripture throughout history. One of which is, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Is that how that works? <laughs> Not if you look at that scripture. So there's something missing in that quote right there. And we've heard that quote often. Yeah. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Well, the problem is, is there's a, there's a portion right in the front of that that says, mm -hmm. submit yourself, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Mm -hmm. Without the submitting, there's no resisting. You have no power without being submitted to God. Um, in verse 12, the fact of spiritual warfare, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. By not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against these principalities' power, Paul does not call the believer to enter into, into spiritual warfare. We're, we're not... I mean, he's not saying, all right, fellas, you know, here's been all your teaching. Now, off to war you go. Yeah. He's not calling us into battle. What he's doing is he's pointing out, we're going to enter a battle. We're, we're going to fight for everything that we have. Um, he's not calling us in, but he, he simply announces it as it's a fact. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not calling you to war, but you're going to war. Yeah. It's just the way it's going to be. Um, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But, um, but we do wrestle against principalities and so forth. You are in a spiritual battle. If you are ignorant or ignore that fact, you probably aren't winning a battle. If, if you do not recognize that you are in a spiritual battle, you're probably defeated. You're being kicked around every day. Many of us find ourselves getting kicked around anyway. Right. Because we, we, we oftentimes will get into our woe is me moment. Maybe we're just having a down day. I've had one of those recently, maybe today, and um, just got shot down is what I did. 
and let myself get there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, everything, everything I touched today went haywire. Everything went wrong. And, and, it, and it got a hold of me for a while. I was mm-hmm. kicking stuff around the shop. I was mad. I was upset. But then it dawned on me. You gotta get a hold of this, you know. I mean, one, you gotta go in there and teach about this tonight. You gotta get a hold of this, you know. I have to gather myself up. Um, well, where am I at here? For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood. The fact that our real battle is not against flesh and blood is lost on many Christians. Uh, we we put a lot of effort into that direction of being in a physical battle. Like I said, I've so I've always viewed it. Paul's idea here is much the same as maybe 2 Corinthians 10, 3, and 4, where it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the sage, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul used a variety of terms to refer our spiritual enemies. We should regard them as being on many different levels and of many different ranks. Yet they are all have one goal, to knock the Christian down from their place of standing. I've, I've heard lots of different you know, terminologies with that, different devil with every level. You know, there's a lot of little quirky phrases that have been tossed around over the years. I, I personally don't care to give the devil any more power than he's due. You know, I'm, I mean, he, he, he technically has no power over a believer, has, you know, he can't cross the bloodline. He can't, you know, so that, so I don't want to give him credit. I, and I'm careful with that because we often do, mm-hmm. you know, we, we often give credit and, 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 and almost magnify his power at times when we shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, we stand, we stand above that. Um, where am I at here? Ephesians six thirteen. The proper response to the fact of spiritual warfare. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil days and having done all to stand. Mm -hmm. I love that. Having done all you can to stand, Mm -hmm. stand therefore. Having done everything you can do, don't quit standing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the worst thing you can do. And and I'll share something. This isn't in the notes, but I, I love sharing this because God showed it to me. All of this concept of armor, something I want you to catch in the midst of this. There is no depiction biblically of any armor for our backside. God showed me two reasons why. One, we should never turn our back on our enemy. And secondly, we corporately should have each other's back. So when you think of spiritual warfare, think of it as just such. Stand with others. I mean, we're, we're called to do so. And, and it's in doing so, we have someone watching our back as well. You know, and we're to never flee from the enemy. Why should we ever run from him? He doesn't have any power over us. Mm-hmm. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Paul introduced the idea of the whole armor of God back in Ephesians 6, 11. In the following passage, he details the specific items related to the armor of God In this verse, he simply states that the main purpose of spiritual warfare and the armor of God is that you may be able, without the strength of God, without the protection of spiritual armor, it's impossible to stand against the attacks of our enemy. We're not able if we don't have the right equipment. Um, That you may be able to withstand 
that the evil day and having done all to stand, this describing what we use the strength of God in the armor of God. Um, the, the, by using his power, by using what he's given us, the tools he's given us, he expresses the equipping, he expresses what all this is, and by using so, we have the power to withstand any attack of the enemy. In verses 14 and 15, the spiritual armor to have is standing therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Stand therefore. We can only stand when we are equipped with the armor of God has given us in Jesus Christ. Each aspect is, is this symbolic armor answers to a specific dynamic within the Christian, uh, in the Christian life that enables us to stand against spiritual attack. Having girded our waist with truth. Truth is symbolically represented as a belt, which both protects our abdomen and gathers up our garments so that we can fight effectively. When you, when you hear that phrase where they, they girded up their loins, that belt, um, I mean, I'm wearing a belt. It carries my holster. <laughs> but but um, technically, I don't use a belt to keep anything up. I use it to hold stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it holds my weapon. It holds my, you know? Um, when they reference that belt of truth, it's literally... It's like it had pockets. When they girded up their loins, I mean, those guys wore dresses, for lack of a better word here. So can you imagine running into battle in a skirt? I cannot. I mean, you know, I, I just see lots of chaos going on here, stumbling and falling. So, but what it talks about when they girded up their loins, they literally gathered that, that base up probably like bringing the, the rear of it up from, to the front, and they tucked it into that belt. It held it while they ran into battle, kept it out of the way, kept it from being... So that belt serves so many uses. It's, it's not just to hold riches up. It's, it's a whole other realm when we think of the belt of truth. It's, it's literally holding our tools. It's, it's, it's caring for the things that we need as we go into battle. Um. So having girded up your way with truth, symbolically represented this belt, which protects the abdomen. And again, a wide leather belt would also serve just as that. It, it could protect them from um, a, a knife or a, a spear. It could actually serve as, as part of that armor as well. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is represented as a breastplate, which provides essential protection of the most vital organs. Now, we can no sooner... Um, we can no sooner battle against spiritual enemies in our own righteousness than a soldier can effectively fight without a breastplate. We can't do it on our own. So that righteousness, which the word righteousness simply means right standing with God. So when we, when we are in a right standing, we've got a protective plate over our heart, over our most vital organs. Something very unique to consider there. This is not our own earned righteousness. It's not a feeling of righteousness, but a righteousness received by faith in Jesus. It gives us general sense of confidence and awareness of our standing and position. Thank God for experiences, but don't rely on experiences. You do not put on the breastplate of experience. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. I preach a message that's titled Experience versus Encounter. In that, I reference the fact that an experience is, is a, 
emotional thing. When you have an experience, it, it deals with your emotions. But when you have an encounter, it changes you forever. There, there's a big difference. I had a lot of emotional experiences with God as a young person growing up in church. You know, I went to the altar. I cried. I weeped. I was sorry. But I didn't change. I left that altar and went back into my same ways. It was until I had an encounter with God that it changed me forever. So just side note there. I don't know where that came from. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The preparation of the gospel is represented in the protective shoes or sandals worn by the Roman soldiers. No one can fight effectively or effectively go about their business without this equipment. Uh, there's some depiction. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever seen some, some of the depictions I've seen of the Roman soldiers' sandals. I mean, you think, you're going to battle in sandals? Well, they weren't flip-flops. I mean, they, they literally had the strapping and they, they, they were supporting of the calf, and, but they also had um, almost like cleats for sure-footedness. They're hand-to-hand combat. You don't want to be slipping, you know. So, so there was a lot of depiction with that. And when, you, when I think of this, having been shod with the preparation, you, you're, you're literally being equipped with something that will grip the ground. You know, you, you think of it in that term that, 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 that as God's preparing us for this battle, that he's giving us everything we need to stand firm. Having done everything to stand, stand therefore. Don't lose no ground. Stand. Your firm footing, your, your feet are set, now you're ready. This word preparation is a word meaning a prepared foundation. The gospel provides the footing for everything that we do. However powerful the rest of your body is, if you are wounded in your feet, you are easy prey for the enemy. Verse 16 and 18, the spiritual armor um, to take with us, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Above all, I like how it says that, above all, taking this shield of faith. Above all, this really is the idea in addition to the previous. So in addition to all this other stuff, take the shield of faith. You're going to need it, you know. Um, and it applies to each of the three pieces of armor that follow. Isn't that the idea? This piece of armor is more important than any other. Now, taking the shield of faith tells us um, the armor to have, some of the, the armor uh, that we must wear all the time. Uh, and have as a standing foundation. Therefore, having comes first, uh, we must be rooted in the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the combat boots of the gospel. So all those things we've got to have, now we come to the armor to take. So those things were to be set with. Those things were to be dressed in. All those previous were to be dressed in. That's, that's stuff we wear. Now we've got to pick up the stuff we need to take with us. Now we pick up that armor to, to take. These aspects of the armor we take are the situation to situation as the moment demands. Think about those demanding moments in spiritual warfare. If you've ever, if you ever watched a movie uh, that had a coliseum where they were fighting, you know, the old Roman, did you ever notice that they've got this rack of weapons? Well, they don't use them all. It's whatever the situation requires. Think about that in our spiritual warfare. We, we've got an entire armory at our disposal. We don't have to carry them all, but they're right here. They're within our reach, and we can use them depending on whatever situation we find ourselves in. 
and, and you can kind of develop that armory all to your own. You know, everybody's gun safe looks a little different. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know? So, um, let's see here. Think about the demanding moments in spiritual warfare. Think about some demanding moments that maybe you've faced in spiritual warfare. Uh, a flood of depression, discouragement, um, feeling like a black cloud's following you around. Amber actually, uh, years ago when she was one of my youth, um, texted me this huge message one day. She was driving down 177 Highway, and you know those big summer days when you got the big puffy clouds, right? And, and every now and again, you find yourself in the shadow of the cloud. Well, that was, that was happening to her on her drive to Perkins. These, these, she would find herself in the darkness. She said, I found myself speeding up to get out from under the cloud. Mm-hmm. So I was back in the sunshine. You know, God was speaking to her about something in her life. And I, I thought that was so cool because it's a great depiction. You know, we, we find ourselves in those clouds a lot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we allow them to happen like maybe I did today. But, you know, we, we get depressed. We find ourselves, and then we feed it. Mm-hmm. In, instead of coming out of it, we feed it. We, we allow discouragement to just keep kicking us around yeah. instead of picking up our armor, mm-hmm. picking up whatever weapon we need to fight that battle correctly and fight it. Um, how about when a relative insignificant thing gets blown away out of, way out of proportion? An opportunity to speak with someone about Jesus about what he did for you and you didn't take the opportunity. You ever had that moment? You ever thought back going, man, I missed that. Um, opposition, uh, even against the sense that God wants you to do something and to follow through on something. And we, we fight it. It happens a lot. Um, a sense of panic or helplessness. See, in these critical moments, we need to take up the shield of faith. So we should already have on the shoes of the gospel. Mm-hmm. We, we should already have all of this stuff. The belt of truth should already be on us. The breastplate of righteousness. Those should already be in place on us. We should never be without those. But now, now, because of all these attacks, we pick up that shield of faith. We take the helmet of salvation. And we take the sword of God's word. Taking the seal of faith with you, which will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Faith is represented as a shield. Protecting us from the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, those persistent efforts of demonic foes to weaken us through fear and unbelief. We're, we're arrow shot all the time with that kind of stuff. The shield, Paul describes, is not the small round one. You know, like whatever those superheroes, you know, it's not that little round disc they throw. You know, that, that when you think of the shield that's being referred to in Roman soldier shield, it was a monstrous thing. You know, there, there was, um, you know, that, that's one of the reasons why the kings had an armor bearer. They didn't have to carry that stuff around. Somebody else carried it for them until they needed it, you know. But that shield was literally big enough to hide behind. I mean, it, it was probably made of wood, uh, structured strongly, maybe bowed out a little bit. Now, something interesting that these notes don't bring out that I saw recently is that oftentimes when it talks about the fiery darts, if, if your sword or your shield's made of wood, what's the best thing to shoot at it? A fiery arrow. Because mm-hmm. then your shield's going to catch you. going to carry around a shield on fire? It's going to burn down eventually, right? Mm-hmm. So what they did or what was depicted, at least from what I saw recently, was they actually covered the outside part of that with a, with a thick leather or a probably a hide of some sort, and then they would wet it. 
and they would continually wet that during battle so that it would put out the fiery arrows. Mm. That shield of faith that quenches the fiery darts that are fired at you. How would we wet a spiritual shield of faith? Mm. Possibly with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, the river of God, the river of life. I mean, but, you, but it, if, when you start thinking of some of these things, you know, again, I, I say this a lot. God's word is not very complicated. He's very simplistic. We complicate everything. But God is really simplistic. And, and in, in being simplistic, if we'll stop and think things out just like that, well, I don't carry a wooden shield around and they shoot a firing arrow at me, it's going to catch on fire. Mm-hmm. Well, then dampen that with something. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and take the helmet of salvation. The ancient, um, in the ancient world, this was a leather cap studded with metal or for extra strength possibly. Often some kind of plume or decoration was added, perhaps to identify the soldier to his regiment. Salvation is pictured as the kind of helmet protecting essential material. A soldier would be foolish to go into battle without his helmet. What would be foolish to go into battle in this world without your salvation? Intact, constantly in place. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5.8 speaks of the helmet of salvation in connection with the hope of salvation. The helmet of salvation protects us against discouragement, against the desire to give up, giving us hope not only in the knowing that we are saved, but that we will be saved. It is the assurance that God will triumph. I often use the term, and, and I, in my capacity as a minister, I've had to do some funerals for um, people I didn't even know that were not churchgoers, not people of faith. And that's difficult. Um, it's very difficult sometimes because you think that you, you watch the family. They don't have the hope that we have. You know, I, I don't like losing people close to me. But when you lose someone that, that you know has a faith and, and they're, they're going home, that makes that loss a whole lot easier. But this world is so full of hopelessness yeah. because they're, they're just, they're refusing to follow the Lord. You know, and I, I, I'm a social butterfly, so my social media stuff, I, I try to avoid arguments, but sometimes people are just so dumb, I just have to step into it. And, and part of that comes from just that right there. This, this blatant disregard for the gospel today. This, this misuse of God's word. You know, I love the, the one, the guy asked me, I think I talked about that a few days ago. The guy asked me, well, if it's, if he's a loving God, how could he send anybody to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. In fact, the word of God says that he wished that all would turn to him. Yeah. Well, then how do you wind up in hell? Your choice. <laughs> because he set up a way out. He, he gave us a sacrifice. But we have to surrender to that. We have to choose. So there, there's all these arguments that come up like that. But can you imagine with what we understand and know of, of literally not having the hope that we know? And that helmet of salvation is just that. It's our hope. It, it, and, and to go into battle without that, it'd be futile. We, we wouldn't win. And so all, the, all this battle that's going on around us, people are getting tossed left and right because they don't have the hope that we have. And knowing what's coming. Um, 
the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The idea is that the Spirit provides a sword for you, and that sword is the Word of God. To effectively use the sword of the Spirit, we, we can't regard the Bible as a book of magic charms or, or one to be hung around our neck in the way that, like, Gardic is to drive away vampires. To effectively use the Word, we must regard it as the sword of God. I mean, the, the Bible talks about the sword is, is sharp to cut between bone and marrow. You know, that's, that's literally what it's talking about is, is the Word of God being a, a double-edged sword. It's so sharp that it can cut between bone and marrow. Um, if we are not confident in the inspiration of Scripture that the sword really came from the Spirit, then we will not use it effectively. We've, we've got to come to a place of being confident in our knowledge of the Lord, our knowledge of His Word. I'm not a scholar. But I, I, I think what is awesome at times that I, I find myself in a battle, great use of word here, I find myself in the, in the midst of a heated battle and, and the Holy Spirit brings a word to my memory. I'm not a well-studied person. As bad as I hate to admit it, I've never read the Bible through from cover to cover. Just have never completed it. I, I've never have done that. I get, it's like chasing squirrels, I get off on something else. <laughs> So, but, it, but there's, there's often times that I'm reminded, maybe it's a scripture I've heard preached. Maybe it's a word that God has put in me. Maybe it's something I've read. Whatever it may be, the Holy Spirit brings that to mind. It, it's that tool board. It, it's picking that weapon off that board at the proper time to use it effectively. That's, that's the word, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Living, breathing Word of God is our weapon. Amen. You couldn't ask for anything better. I mean, in, in all the weaponry that I own, there's nothing more effective than the Word of God. Just, there's, there's no other way to argue that. I mean, I don't know what else to say about that one. We must also take the sword of the Spirit in the sense of depending that He helps us to use it. Not only did the Spirit give us the Scripture, but also He makes them alive to us and equips us with the right thrust of the sword at the right time being careful how we use his word Amen. that's um there's some other things you know being um i get questioned a lot um the guys that i work around know know me and um they may hear a word or, or the young man that works with me a lot he um well he comes with some crazy questions and usually it's it's a partial scripture or it's a scripture and I'm, I'm, I've been trying to teach him to go back and look at the context. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. my wife Rhonda has, has been a blessing to me in this because mm -hmm. she's always, well, who'd they write it to? What was the, well, who was the audience? Mm -hmm. Who was the author? So now I'm constantly, it's added to my, I've had to go back and look stuff up because I want to know now. Mm -hmm. Who was the audience? What, where was this? You know, why was this being said? And when you begin to look at the scriptures in such a way that the amount of knowledge that comes to you and understanding of why God's speaking some of the things he's speaking. Now, I got some of it still I struggle with. When you get into the begets and the names and some of that stuff, boy, it's like, phew. So, but, but when you study out scripture, learn, learn to look for that. Learn to look at the author. Look at the audience. You know, Paul, a lot of Paul's teaching. Um, there, and there's so much misinterpretation that comes because of the audience that Paul was speaking to. 
You know, when he says, well, if, if my eating meat causes you to sin, I'll no longer eat meat. Do you think Paul never ate another steak? <laughs> no. He just didn't eat it in front of you because it caused you a problem. So there's, there's so many. You have to understand the context yeah. and learning to look at the Word of God in context and, 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 and seeking out the depth of what's being spoken will change us forever. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and again, sharpens our sword, prepares us for battle. <sighs> Ephesians 18 through 20. So how to use the spiritual strength in the armor of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And he goes on to say, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may be open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. That in, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Praying always with all prayer. The idea is all kinds of prayer. Uh, prayer upon prayer. We should use every kind of prayer we can think of. Group prayer, individual prayer, silent prayer, shouting prayer, walking prayer, kneeling prayer, eloquent prayer, groaning prayer, constant prayer, fervent prayer. Just pray. Mm -hmm. the, the, I, I just talked uh, on some stuff recently because I, I love to use it when somebody pops off, aren't you going to pray over that meal? <laughs> the Bible says we're to pray without ceasing. When did you stop? <laughs> I mean, it's a, a, you know what I'm saying. The Bible says that we are to pray without ceasing. So does that mean that we should walk around with our eyes closed and our heads bowed? No. Probably going to run into something. So, but, but that concept of praying at all times, what does that mean? It's relational. Yeah. It's literally relational. It, it's simply being in a relationship with God as such that there's this constant communication going on. Right. I, 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 I have to. Because yeah, yeah. I'm constantly going, are you sure about this, Lord? I mean, there's this constant thing going on. Right, right. And, and I'm always talking to him right. in, in the midst yeah. of my work or whatever I'm at. Yeah. You know, my, my, my co one of the guys that I work in the body shop right now, he was... He can't believe I do a podcast every day. He said, how do you get all your material? And then, and then he comes back and he says, you know, I watched you the other day working on a hood, fixing those dents. And I got to thinking, you're not thinking about those dents. You're thinking about what you're going to say tonight. <laughs> Probably. I mean, because that's, yeah, it's, that, it's that communication. It's that relational thing. It's that constant. Because yeah. God speaks to us in so many different ways. Yeah. You know, I mean, have you ever been in the midst of, maybe one of your favorite pastimes and, and hear the word of the Lord speak something to you. Yeah. Maybe you're looking at a sunset or maybe you're listening to a bird or whatever and God all of a sudden starts pouring into you something. Mm -hmm. I love that because that constant communication, that, that praying constantly, mm -hmm. you know, and I yeah. have done many of these. I, I spend a lot of time driving. We travel a lot for the work we do. My windshield time is my God time. I've shouted, yelled, cried, kicked, whined, moaned, you, know, I, you name it. I've, I've been mad. I've been sad. I've had to stop the truck because I was bawling. I've, I mean, you know, so there's this, this constant communion with him is what he's talking about here. Being in prayer always. For all the saints, we can battle spiritually, not only on our own behalf, but also on the behalf of others. The soldier isn't only concerned for his, his or her own safety. They feel an instinct to protect and battle on behalf of the others. 
No greater love than this than a man lay down his life for his friend. That, the military boys will speak that one constantly. Now, I've heard that come out of veterans' mouths I don't know how many times in the ministries that we do with them. And for me, the utterance may be given to me. After bringing up the idea that spiritual warfare can be waged on behalf of others, Paul asks his readers to pray for him and, and to boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul could, uh, could have asked prayer for many things, but he wanted them to pray for, his, uh, for this, the probability that has, as his mind upcoming defense before Caesar. He was going to talk to Caesar. So there he's, asking, he's asking these guys in Ephesians, pray for me to have boldness. Pray for me to be, speak clearly, not on my precepts, but on God's. You know, and, and I love there's something that just kind of caught my attention here, bringing up the idea that spiritual warfare can be waged on behalf of others. Think about that for a minute. I mean, we often spend a lot of time crying out for us. How much time have you spent crying out for someone else that you know that's in need? That, that, that literally going to war for them. I mean, I think we've, we've done it. Maybe a family member who's all of a sudden come up with an illness or, you know, Sister Judy dealing with the COVID, you know. We go to war on her behalf. Mm-hmm. That, that spiritual warfare becomes inherent on all stages, not only for us, but for others. And I, and I would concur that we would go to war over our, our church, our church family, you know, our family as a whole, for that matter. That utterance may be given to me. The idea behind utterance is clear speaking, added to boldly. Paul asked for prayer that he might proclaim the gospel both clearly and with a fearless power. It is easy to neglect one or the other. It's real easy to, 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 to neglect one or the other. But let's pray boldly and with fearless power. And he finishes with, I am an ambassador in chains. Of course, the ancient Greek word in, for chains meant a prisoner, shackles, but it could also be used as this gold adornment that worn around the neck and wrists of the wealthy and powerful. Special occasions, ambassadors wore such chains to show the riches, power, dignity of the government uh, that they represented. Paul considered his prisoner's chains to actually be uh, the glorious adornment of the ambassador of Jesus Christ. So he was a prisoner of Christ. He, he says this frequently in some of his teachings. He considered himself a prisoner of Christ, a slave to Christ even. Uh, the conclusion of the letter, 21 through 22, um, this, the sending of, of Tychius, whatever his name is, uh, but you may also be known uh, my affairs and how I'm doing. Tychius, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that we may comfort your hearts. Um, the final words, peace to the brethren and love and faith for God and the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you. All of those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity, amen. Peace to the brethren. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus. Paul concludes this letter as he began it with the same reference to grace and peace, two essential cornerstones of Christian life. Grace and peace. All those who love our Lord Jesus uh, Christ in sincerity, um, literally in, in uncorruptness. When, when, you, when you use the word sincerity, it's in uncorruptness. The idea that may be well with uh, an undying love. Our love for the Lord should be undying. Grace be with those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Paul ends by pronouncing a blessing. His way of helping the Ephesians to walk in every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. What an incredible 
end to, to a book to, of letters. I mean, you think of it, these are all letters. These were letters to the Ephesian yeah. church by Paul. Um, oftentimes, Paul wrote from prison. You know, he wrote from the depths of prison, and, and you never see that. You never see, ain't no whining, ain't no, you know. He's always proclaiming the gospel. He's always pushing someone to go deeper, move, move past this. But I think when we, when we think of the armor of God, putting on that armor, literally understanding that, that getting in God's word, making sure, one, that we're, we're right with him, in a right standing, that preparation of the gospel of peace. Our feet are shod with the gospel. That we're, we're knowledgeable. We're prepared for battle. We're ready to go into fight. That we're, every day we walk this earth, there's a, a, a consuming battle that could happen at any moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, just, we live in it. We live in a torrential time. We live in a, in a, in a time of chaos, a time when, when our world system is being spoken of on a daily basis in the Bible. There's so much going on that's, that's already been prophesied. It's already been spoken of. It's already being called out. You know, Jesus in, Ma- in uh, Matthew 24, you know, he's talking about there'll be wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and all of these things that are happening, they've been happening for years. You know, I, I've referenced um, one thought that Jesus has in, in, in 24, Matthew 24 is, so as it is in the, or was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the days of the Son of Man. And in my mind, my, my, my human nature is like, well, how bad was it in the days of Noah? Daggum. I mean, it couldn't have been no worse than it is right now. I mean, we li- this world we're living in is corrupt. Mm-hmm. So how bad was it? And then yeah. God kind of showed me something the other day that has still kind of got my wheels spinning. Because I was referencing just the sin nature of people. But maybe it was more the fact that no one would listen to Noah. No one would hear the truth. They mocked him. They laughed at him. They wouldn't take his, his warnings. I mean, he spoke these warnings constantly. And, and so maybe that is more in comparison to where we are today because that's how our world is today. They're not listening to truth. You know, they're, they're actually creating their own truth, you know, making up their own things. So anyway. Well, hopefully that was encouraging and that give was. you something to <laughs> <Very good. Yeah. laughs> 